Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Manga Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we hit the finale of season two of Mandalorian. And true to our word, men of the people, podcast of the many, we are doing a reaction pod same day. That's right. It premiered on Disney Plus today, chapter 16, aptly titled, what, Spencer? The Rescue. That's right. You're asking me questions when you're asking me to record a pod the same day. I have Woo! no notes. I have a Wikipedia page that has a half a paragraph because they haven't even filled the out the rescue, Wikipedia page Spencer. yet. The rescue, the rescue. I was like, when they when they popped up chapter sixteen, the rescue. I was so fired up. Obviously, Baby Yoda in a world of trouble on Grand Moff. Maybe not Grand Moff, but Moff Gideon. I keep wanting to call him Grand Moff. I'm not sure he's a Grand Moff. Or I think, not. But anyway, I think, I think he's a real oversold. son of a bitch. I think we can all agree on that. Moff Gideon. He's on Moff Gideon's cruiser. He's in trouble. But the Mandalorian Avengers have assembled. And Chapter 16 is the rescue. We have watched it today. This is our reaction pod. Spencer, when did you watch it? How much notes do you have? And what mental state are you in? Uh Total, some total of my notes amount to precisely three paragraphs. I have two different internet pages pulled up. I watched it while doing work. My mental state is in constant shocking flux. This was, this started out a solid hour of television. By the end of it, it became one of the the most momentous moments in Star Wars lexicon in years. Maybe ever, maybe ever. I'm legitimately caught off guard with just how impressive this episode was and just it was fan service done right and more than that and even just ending on a note that i didn't think they were going to do we we had debated where this would end and what they would do next and i never anticipated that they would have the guts to end something in its prime and i said what i think that they did we are going to see um obviously um i've talked about this before there is going to be in season three the the season three will premiere on christmas day 2021 so we will see kind of where that goes but as we go through um the recap air spencer we will get to that point we will have that debate on where the show goes from now uh because i agree it was momentous it was potentially um changing the entire narrative of the show the entire uh point basically the entire point of the show maybe i don't know i don't know spencer but i'm fired up i will tell you i watched it not doing work i watched it at 3 30 in the morning <laughs> and um i was not able to run around my house screaming oh my god oh my god oh my god how did um, you keep that in uh it, I, i'll tell you i punched the sofa as it was happening um, just on both sides as I was sitting there, just pop, 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 pop. I was so fired up. But anyway, 3.30 in the morning, I watched it. Well, just watched it again. I have full notes, so I can do the full recap like a normal episode. But Spencer, you are doing more of a genuine reaction uh, pod where you've kind of seen it once. You have some loose notes, and now you're just kind of kind of giving a reaction, kind of similar to what we did with the GOT Got Questions podcast when we would watch an episode and kind of turn on the mics and just see what happens, right? I did take versions of quotes like the thing moth gideon says there that hopefully you can elaborate on a little bit more further so i at least have entries to provide my lord of quotes concerning that area but yeah mostly going to be reacting off you and what vague what memories i have through my just haze of excitement are these like spencer drunk notes uh for those that don't know we when we were doing the gt guy questions podcast a few times spencer was at my house he was a bit intoxicated i said spencer do your notes so that we can do the pod tomorrow and he woke up the next morning and said i don't think we can do the pod because my notes say things like the thing that little finger said there <laughs> we, i'd give me a half step above that but not significantly better no 
Okay. All right. Well, we will jump into the episode, but before we do so, why don't you give a little shout out to another pod that you do with BJ and my wife. Fire away, Spencer. Uh, when we're not obsessing over Star Wars and how it's incredible and how it's literally life-changing for aspects of my childhood, I'm also do, go, doing a podcast going through a, a kind of digital book club for Domangum Reads. Where we, we join together, discuss a book, go through themes, go through our favorite moments, go what it represents to us, and give the audience an opportunity to offer questions, comments, or even suggestions of the next books that we do. It's a fun it's, it's a fun time. We quite enjoy it. We think the audience does too. We also have a sideshow we do of that called Pottering Around, where we're getting started now into the Goblet of Fire, which I have book read. Book four, one, book four, ladies and gentlemen, book four. I've read one chapter of it, so I've got no idea what a Goblet of Fire is, other than it looks very pretty on the cover, but I am already excited and very eager to talk about it with them, and very hopeful that people will join in to listen. That's right. Check out Mangum Reads, check out Pottery Round, check out Mangum Laughs, a podcast I did with BJ where the two of us review stand-up comedy and then we have the very, very infrequent Mangum Talk Soups that I do with that son of a bitch up in Boston, Levi. But let's get to the, uh, I mean, let's get to this pot, this, this episode, Spencer. I am, I'm going to fumble a little bit only because I'm still trembling with excitement. This is chapter 16. This is the finale of season two. It's titled The Rescue. We are going to do our normal recap. I will lead that. I will do best line of the episode. I alone remember best line of the episode. And then we'll catch a nostalgic moment of the episode. And I bet dollars to donuts. Every dollar in my bank account, all the equity in my home, my pets, everything I own that I know what nostalgic moment of the episode will be. Oh my God. God, what a nostalgic moment of the episode. But before we get there, we got a recap to do. Spencer, are you ready? Well, I'm just really surprised that apparently Bib Fortuna is your greatest thing in Star Wars. But, you know, I'm willing to be surprised. Oof, man. We'll get there. We start with an Imperial cruiser with Dr. Pershing being shot by Slave One. Ooh, not fun. Um, Slave One is such a badass ship, dude. Like, you know, I talked about watching this show with my wife before. My wife is not a big Star Wars buff. She's watched the movies, but she kind of loosely watches the movies. During this episode, she turned to me and she goes, you know, Boba Fett's ship is really awesome. <laughs> I'm glad we've all come around to that point of view. Because this little poor Lambda-class shuttle stands not a chance in hell. Hell no. Slave slave uh, one. Um, chasing down this Imperial uh, transport, really, with Dr. Pershing. And the pilot of the transport is a just proper dick to Dr. Pershing, which is just uncalled for. Uh, we immediately... Um, have some fodder to dislike this guy. Slave One eventually hits him with a boom, ion canning, freezing him up. Boba Fett tells them to prepare for boarding. At one point, the Imperials call them pirates. I thought that was pretty funny. We had the pirates conversation last episode. Um, and Mando and Kara board. And the Imperials lift their hands. Mando asks if the kid is alive. Dr. Pershing immediately says yes. Yes, Woo! yes, yes. We're good. Exhale. Don't shoot me. Whew. Exhale. Fandom exhales. Dr. Pershing said the kid is alive. At this, the Imperial pilot takes Dr. Pershing kind of like hiding behind him, puts a gun to his head. I guess he didn't like that Dr. Pershing was giving information to the pirates or the enemy here. The Imperial Guard starts to goad Kara. Not a good move on his part, I wouldn't say. Spencer, what'd you think? No, this, I mean, the reasons he's really taking the guy hostage, like you said, is that he seems to be a true believer and is trying to avoid the disclosure of key information as well as broker his own life with respect to this guy that he he seems to be indicating that you know you, the new republic wants this guy the new republic really wants this guy he doesn't want him hurt so you know let's talk right now while at the same time not wanting the guy to really talk not sure what his long-term goal is here but in terms of immediate survivability poking her that she's the sole survivor of alderaan apparently that little tear is a marker of that i didn't didn't realize yeah um uh, little tattooed tear and then 
Usually only, means I killed somebody if you're in prison. Just you, throwing that out there. You know, I was perfectly willing to believe that that's what, it was, that that's what it was for Kara too. Little, little now I have a different direction. And then it's a, it's an interesting little speech in this part. Cause I really do enjoy the show has done a lot to the Imperials are still very much the bad guys, but it's gone into a lot to make them human bad guys with, yep. uh, with motivations, even if we find them despicable, but rationales for why they do what they do. And to see this guy angrily lament, do you, like, I think he said something like, do you know how many millions died when the Death Stars blew up? And how the galaxy Which one? Cheered? I love she says which one. That was great. Oh, that, that one, that was a dig, yeah. And his ending line, too, is, again, just very much the motivation for a lot of these guys we've seen is that what they're willing to pay for orders, that, like, destroying your planet was worth it so we, so we could rid the galaxy of terrorism. They really emphasize that heavily is that for a lot of these Imperials, that kind of quest for order, that quest for peace at any cost, seems to be really heavily motivating their recruiting. Yeah. Spencer's point, when the guy has Dr. Pershing and he's behind him with the gun to his head, he does say, quote, destroying your planet was a small price to pay for riding, ridding the galaxy of terrorism at this car, snaps, shooting the guy directly in the face and probably, I'm going to guess here, blowing out one of Dr. Pershing's eardrums. What do you think? At a, at a minimum, yes. I mean, if, if, if we were if we were using uh, real guns, he'd have powder burns. I'm sure he's got blaster burns on the side of his head from that close shot. Then we see Slave One descending onto a planet that we don't know. Spencer, I don't know what planet they were going to. I don't think they ever tell us, did they? Uh, it was a pretty world. I, I'm curious what those factories were. It almost looked like it was some form of terraforming that was going on in the background, but I don't think they ever really tell us. Looked a bit like an industrial planet where they had like some manufacturing going on, but the sky is blue, so it's not like completely uh, stripped and destroyed like the planet that we got uh, back with the um, Ahsoka episode. Oh, and by the way, on Ahsoka, you mispronounce Ahsoka. I constantly, yes. Yeah, so our friend BJ told me you do that because you're smarter than me. Why? I'm not sure, but I just wanted to give that some some air because he seemed pretty convinced about it that you 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 mispronounce Ahsoka because you're really really smart. So I don't know, you got that going for you. Um, Slave One lands and Mando and Boba Fett get out and walk into a bar. It's hilarious that when they walk in, two Mandalorians, full armor, walk into a bar like it's the start of a bad joke, and everyone turns and looks at them right like it's so funny like everybody in the in the in the bar is turning and looking at these two but in the corner is that Bo-Katan's music that's right ladies and gentlemen we get Bo-Katan again Woo, Spencer I was so fired up I did not expect Bo-Katan to make a return this this season I really didn't expect her to join the Mandalorian Avengers but I was delighted when I saw her in the corner I think we'd really honestly kind of written her off that, okay, well, she's going to get her own show at some point. We'll see her again there. And maybe they'll cross over a little bit. Mando appeal in her show or she'll appear in his. But yeah, the sheer scale of the Avengers that we were going to get, we had no clue. Mando tells her that they're on a mission and Bo-Katan says, not all Mandalorians are bounty hunters. Some serve a higher purpose. So Spencer, a little bit of a digression here. Um, This is something that folks who watch the Clone Wars in Rebels know. I think... The folks who just watched Mandalorian so far probably are unaware. Bo-Katan, awesome. Still a big fan. Still a big fan, Spencer. I, don't, I want to point that out. But can be a little all about herself at times. <laughs> she thinks highly of herself. And it um, often comes out with uh, borderline douchey comments. Yeah, I wouldn't say she's as far as a narcissist, but there's definitely elements of it. But she's competent and dedicated enough and understanding enough around her that it's perfectly forgivable. There's still moments like this where it just seems unnecessary. It's just like, 
Yeah. Two guys walked in, one that you have reason to know, like, and trust, and another one who's wearing Mandalorian armor. How about just say hi? Let's well, start there. Well, she, that, the other guy, quote, wearing Mandalorian armor, she knows quite well. Um, okay. That, that, gotcha. That's covered, that's covered in the Clone Wars. So she is very aware of who Boba Fett is and jumps all over his shit right away in a way that I personally did not think. Um, was called for, but we'll get back to the recap. Mando says they have the child. Bogatin's face drops. It's so interesting to me. Every time where well, you're laughing because we're right there together, Spencer. Every time somebody says they have the child, everybody goes, "What? What? What? What?" Like it, it, it spurs everybody to action. I love how it cuts through all pretenses. Like you said, she's fronting. She's immediately mocking Bob, uh, Boba Fett. She's immediately indicating that I'm the better Mandalorian. I'm the true Scot- Scotsman. And the moment he says that, her face drops and she loses all that instantly and immediately starts greeting him on his own terms. Like, it's the ultimate key to go, just cut through bullshit. Yeah. Mando, they have the child. bo face drops. Who? Moff Gideon. You'll never find him. Boba Fett says they should leave and bo tells him he's not a Mandalorian. Boba, I never said I was. Why are you picking a fight with me? God damn. And then Sasha Banks in the corner says, <laughs> I didn't know sidekicks were allowed to talk. You are a sidekick. You are a sidekick. Boba Fett immediately calls her out in some next level nerd Star Wars shit here. Here's what he says. Well, if it, that isn't the Quacta calling the stifling slimy. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm so with you. I, the, the, here's my here's my notes. All right. You all, all caps. You are a sidekick, Boba. Well, if that isn't the Quacta calling the stifling slimy, all caps, Spencer. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I, I'm googling both right now to see if they have any prior entry in the history of Star Wars. Nope, they do not. They so have that's no just, entry in here. That's just, but, but yeah, obviously, pot kettle black. It's that sort of thing. <laughs> Boba takes exception to this, and ding, ding, ding. Let's get ready to rumble. Bo-Katan tries to stop him, but. Mando explains to Bo-Katan that they have Moff Gideon's coordinates, which excites Bo-Katan. Mando says Moff has a light cruiser. Says it would be helpful in her effort to take back Mandalore. Boba says the Empire turned that planet into glass, which triggers Bo-Katan to say Boba is a disgrace to his armor. Boba says the armor belonged to my father. Don't you mean your donor? Oh, oh shit! Oh! oh. Below the belt. Below Whoa. the belt. I did not expect her to go there. Bo-Katan has no chill. That's another thing about Bo-Katan. She will take it to an 11 pretty quick. Boba obviously doesn't like this, but Bo-Katan keeps it up. You are a clone. I've heard your voice a thousand times. My voice might be the last one you hear. And ding, 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 ding. Fight is on. Boba starts it with Bo-Katan, but Sasha Banks eventually gets into it. Boba sends a cable to her, but she catches it. Hits Bo-Katan with the bankrupt. Uh, That's a Sasha Banks finishing move uh, for all you wrestling fans out there. Throwing him into the corner. Uh, I do love, we talked about this before, Spencer, when they get someone who's like MMA or a professional wrestler or something, they gave her a chance to do a wrestling move, which I was really cool. You, you, you've mentioned several times, and I just very much agree with you, it is very apparent how much Fabro likes fighting and wrestling in particular, for how much he's been able to work it in, how much he brought in you know, professionals in that regard, too. I have to ask you, though, um, Sasha Banks. Uh, mm-hmm. play, was playing Koska Reeves. I think I've got that right here. Uh, do, when she is actually wrestling in real life, does she have a jetpack to complete the move the way she did on the show? Uh, no, but she does do that. She does do the spinny like DDT type thing. Um, so it's it's a pretty good pretty good reference there. Uh, <laughs> Sasha Banks though, legit. She's legit, Spencer. All fours, legit. Uh, anyway, wrestling fans, that I'm talking about. Bo-Katan says enough, and they stop. Bo-Katan says Moff has a weapon she wants. Mando. 
help me rescue the child and you can have whatever you want. He is my only priority. Potential line of the episode there. Very much so. There's several moments in this where we see that Mando really does not care about all this politics and shit. Mm -mm. It is just not on his radar. It is not his consideration. It means nothing to him. He has Mm -hmm. one purpose here, and it is the rescue of the child. If you're willing to help him in that regard, he will assist you with whatever you want. Don't care about the details. I'm just signing on the bottom line. So long as you can guarantee that this contract says you help me get him back. He's also displaying an incredible amount of patience with this horseshit, right? He is the most patient person in this damn series. I wasn't expecting that. But yeah. there are so many moments when other people are just constantly fronting, constantly fighting. And it takes Mando to be the daddy of the situation and go, no, all you children, calm down. We're, we're doing this. Now, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and, and tell you that in, the, in round one, Sasha Banks wins 10-8 over Boba. I mean, she won round one. Now, Spencer, if you're a betting man... Who are you going to bet if they were allowed to finish that fight? <laughs> we even need to have that talk. Because Sasha Banks, yes, she won round one, um, but she was about to she was about to eat it because I'm fairly certain Boba Fett was going to proceed to properly kick her ass. I mean, she's clearly significantly younger than he is. She may be a bit more spry, but just from decades of malevolent experience, Boba Fett's got your ass. It's not even a contest. She didn't even have her helmet on. What a a dope move. We Mm. do learn later uh, that Mandalorians keeping their helmet on is pretty important. (laughs) There's a few Um, moments of that, yes. We'll we'll discuss that when we get there. Tough scene back inside the ship. Bo-Katan is looking at a hologram of Moff's ship. Um, Okay, so this is where we do a Battlestar Galactica reference. All right, do you have one? I don't really have one, but I do know that the actress who plays Bo-Katan was in Battlestar Galactica. I think she was a Cylon. I don't know, something like that. Dear and God, do we, need, is, do we need to make you watch Battlestar now? I don't know, something like that. And she is used, she the way she explains this plan. So Bo-Katan is going to explain their their plan to, to board Moff Gideon's ship and to rescue the child and presumably for her to get dark saber back right all the things they're trying to do she's going to explain the mission and she proceeds to explain the mission in the most complicated possible fucking way she can i tried to take notes of it and i fucking stopped i just gave up of what she was saying i think this i think there's a joke there with battlestar galactica but anyway i don't have it do you have it i don't have the joke but it is (laughs) clearly there is there is a plan uh whether that plan is actually something the writers are making up on the fly is a different question that maybe we'll find out years after the fact for right now, uh, though. Woo, there's the battle course. Like, I'm, 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 I'm happy to assist. Um, with respect to this plan, the purpose of this scene is to show that Bo-Katan is competent as shit. That yeah. she is in command of the situation. That this is practically old hat to her. That she's just going by the numbers. We do this, we do this, we do this, we do this, we win. You know, queen takes king. Done. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's just really, I can understand why. Actually, question, by the way. This just occurred to me. Koska Reeves is here, that one, her one assistant Mandalorian. Where's the other guy? Oh yeah, I don't know. He did. I guess he didn't make the trip because he wasn't in the he wasn't in the cafe either. I mean, no, um, we, we don't yeah, know where we he didn't is. See him. Apparently, uh, maybe maybe his employment contract ran out or something. Anyway, we only have two of them. <laughs> okay, but, but I'm perfectly fine with you know. I think we're referring to this Mandalorian as Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks is you know she knows these plans. She's worked with Bo presumably maybe for years now. That was Sasha Banks yeah. on the on Star Wars Rebels or um, Clone Wars? Yeah. She was in there too? Okay, yeah. so this is a recurring character. Years of experience, knows how to work with her. Everybody else in the room, though, I'm sure is just going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
So I'm just going to follow you and wing it. We okay with that? It good, doesn't good. Ma- like yes. she, uh, she explains this plan in the most complicated fucking way. She uses like $10 words when a fiver would absolutely pay the bill. Like, I don't understand why she's so complicated here, but she is. I put it into layman's terms. And I'm going to do the recap now. So Bo Katan says the ship <laughs> used to have this. this is, she's talking about the, the cruiser that uh, Moff Gideon has. The ship used to have hundreds of people aboard to man it. Now it has much less than that. Again, that, that, that's another detail. I like detail. that I liked, I liked it too. And it's another detail indicating to us that, yes, Moff Gideon does have some power. He does have some resources. He is in no way in control of the Empire. So he is kind of, he, you called this early and I actually thought he might be in control of at least a part of it or be, you know, one of the guys at the tippy top. I don't think that's the case after this episode. I think it's pretty clear. Um, I think he is exactly what you said, Spencer. He's just kind of out doing his own thing. Right. I, I think it's even more, even some of the, the resources we've seen him use in the past were basically him kind of co-opting and recruiting local forces for when he needed to use them. I mean, what we see here is a pretty limited degree of forces. Now, it's possible his ship is separated from whatever larger fleet that he has, but I'm not inclined to think that. I'm kind of inclined to think that this guy's a bit of a rogue, even among the Imperial remnant, what we see in the course of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's an indication that his resources are a little bit more scarce than probably I normally would have assumed, um, especially after you know the last two episodes of season one. It looked like he just had tons of resources at his disposal. That I don't think is the case. Pershing says... The assessment that he doesn't have a lot of people aboard is misleading. He explains that Moth has the, what is that, Spencer? Dark Troopers, son. Woo! Dark Troopers, Spencer's favorite. He explains that they are third generation. Okay. Which is even also in keeping with the Dark Troopers back in the games. It's great. I love that. These are 3G. Everybody, you're getting, you're getting cell coverage everywhere. It is 3G. And they are actually droids, apparently, the upgrade from generation two to generation three removed humans from the equation. And these are droids. Finnick, Finnick asks where they're kept. Finnick is always on top of things. Like, great question, Finnick. Uh, he said they are kept in cold storage, Spencer. Cold storage. We got a Westworld reference. Ah, I'm going crazy. Uh, Pershing explains that they take a few minutes to power up. Okay. Very important detail for later on. So mm-hmm. whenever he wants to activate the dark troopers, they don't activate right away. Got to power up. So uh, just more on that later. Mando asks where the child is being held. Dr. Pershing knows. And he shows the little holding cell to Mando. Can we just note a detail right, right here, right now? If Pershing had not spoken up or if he'd been effectively shouted down by Kara the way that she was kind of trying to do, they all would have been screwed. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. They all would be dead, and Moff Gideon would still have the child and would it still just be really smug over their corpses. Thank you, Dr. Pershing. You kind of saved the day in the show. Pershing, yeah. Well, you know, and that, what I like about that is that it's not, it's not abrupt, and they, they, they built that character, right? Like, it, it is, uh, it's believable to me that this guy who does work for Moff Gideon actually would divulge any and all secrets to yeah. Mando for, in order to, for Mando to get the child back because we have established a pattern of behavior with him uh, in the show. Absolutely. They've been setting that up since like episode two of season one, really, that he is in this for a very different motivation. He is not an Imperial officer. He's not even really a sympathizer. He's really kind of doing this for the science. And that is continuing through that really, honestly, he has the same kind of key concern that most of the people in that room do. He wants the child to be protected. Dude, I don't think he's doing it for the science. I think he's like, um, 
I think he's like uh, the guy who ran for president in West Wing. Um, that guy, Jimmy Smith's character. Oh. Um, that guy in um, in in Rogue One. Remember how he was being like forced to create the Death Star? Yes, that would. Yes, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, so I think that's what's going on with Dr. Pershing. I don't think he's in it for the science. I think he's a scientist who is being forced to participate in this experiment. Anyway, think, kind, think of a, Jim, kind of a reach comparison, but that's think, that's how think, I see him. Didn't Jimmy Smith play Bail Organa back in, back in, the, back in those films? I know, I know which character you're talking about. I think we're just complaining a different actor with that character. But yes, yeah. I agree with the idea. Okay, that, yeah, it might be. That might not be the guy who ran for president at West Wing. Regardless, but, there is a guy in Rogue One. I understand is, the character is, you're referencing, is, yes. The first 10 minutes you see it, he's being forced to make the Death Star. I think it's the same sort of deal here. Anyway, I fumbled that completely. But we can move on to the recap. Bo-Katan then says what the plan is. This is where she gets hyper-complicated for no reason. Um, basically, what she says is they split into two parties. Mando demands to go alone. Okay, fair enough. She doesn't care. Uh, Bo-Katan goes on to say that phase one is the shuttle issues a distress call. Um, afterwards, they'll land in the launch tube, cutting off any potential interceptors. Kind of a good plan there. Then they power their way to the deck sh ship's deck. So they just, let's just blast through. Bokatan talks very, very weird. Uh, I can't stress that enough. Uh, she eventually says they'll draw a crowd, and then Mando can slip in and get the child. Kara points out that the troopers will be a big skank in the scud pie. A lot of, a lot of Star Wars like lingo here uh, going on. Bo points out that they're... Um, Oh, that the um, God, my notes are, are kind of hey, sideways hey. here. What you, I think she's saying that like the the bay for the troopers are on the way to the brig, and when she says that, Phoenix says, "Okay, well, I can give you something to seal off uh, the room that the dark troopers are in." And she kind of hands that. I think the Mando, right? Right. It seems like the, the the idea here is that because these troopers are often frequently dropped in on certain situations from you know the aerial ship, they're in a kind of outside bay that's connected to the ship. So yeah. that they could easily exit when need to to go to, to, to go off on their mission. Because right. of that, and because they're in a central chamber, this thing can be pretty easily seized out, uh, sealed off, and essentially spaced, which is what they're hoping to do before these things go active. And so they're sending Mando, like, Mando's like, I just care about the kid, I don't care about the ship, do whatever the hell you want. And they're like, okay, well, while you're going to the kid, save yeah. our lives by stopping these dark troopers from getting loose aboard the vessel. And Finnick has like a universal key type thing that she gives him so that he can he can plug it in and close the door. And that and that's that's Mando's that's your job, Mando. Right. Go ahead. No, very very much with you. They're like, okay, we understand you don't care. You're kind of a dick. You're letting us do this all ourselves. But we understand the kids are focused. But at least while you're going there, handle this. And I think Mando can be trusted to do that because he does say he'll do it. Cut to the shuttle and slave one, and hyperspace. So basically, their plan is that they'll jump out of hyperspace and it'll look like Slave One is pursuing the shuttle, which is exactly what happens. One key detail about the last scene, though, just to reference. Uh, oh, sure. Because I made a note on this, is that there's a bit of a headbutting on the subject of what's going to happen to Moff Gideon. Did you, did you, make it, did you remember that? Uh, yeah, Bo-Katan says um, Moff Gideon is hers, right? Yeah, essentially Kara's like, you know, we can't kill him. He's ex-ISB, he's got a lot of key information, he's one of the leaders of the Imperial Remnant. We need to hand him over to the New Republic. It would help them out a lot. Uh, I need him alive. And Kara basically just says, don't care, but he has to surrender to me. And at the time, I was like, is that just pride? What? what Bo, Bo what? says that, yeah. I, I didn't understand necessarily her motivation other than that it was just pure pride that she wanted him humbled. But it's an important point for later, so I just want to make a note of it there. 
Yeah, she says he has to he has to has to surrender to her. Um, kind of a kind of weird conversation, but anyway, um, cut to the um, cut to the shuttle and slave one getting up hyperspace. Um, I, yeah, this is actually uh, the, the our, our notes are so fucked up because we just watched this. But <laughs> actually, if we're well, but uh, if if we're if we're being true to it, actually, in that when they're in hyperspace is when Bo-Katan has the point about Moff Gideon. So you're gotcha. right, but it just happens in this scene. Um, so I have to skip through my notes. Uh, when they get out of hyperspace, the shuttle calls in a distress signal as Slave One is shooting. It actually does kind of look like Slave One's going after this, the shuttle. Moff Gideon calls in the Tie Fighters. Good fucking luck, Tie Fighters against <laughs> One at a uh, time, Slave too. One. Yeah, really good plan there. Uh, the plan's going well as the Tie Fighters come out of the launch tube. The shuttle then goes directly toward the launch tube, and the officer who's on deck with Moff Gideon keeps yelling that it doesn't have clearance to go into the launch tube. But they keep yelling, "No, no, no! We have to! We have to!" Still, sort of pretending like it's the original folks on the shuttle, right? Like they're they're, they're Empire. Yeah. Um, but I think that slowly the officers uh, on the deck are starting to realize that that is not the case because they are not responding to the commands uh, of Moff Gideon. The shuttle then eventually. Um, does go into the deploying area, that little the, the little launch tube. Uh, it gets banged up a little bit, but it gets in there, and that does further stop TIE fighters from deploying. So Boba Fett really only has to deal with a couple, and they get out, and they just start marking everybody. They cut through them hard, and, you know, a part of me could be annoyed that you're seeing just a lot of Imperial guys die relatively effortlessly, but the combat here is done well enough and is spaced well enough and it's clearly a collection of very competent people working together that I don't mind. It just makes for some great action to watch play out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Inside Bo-Katan, Sasha Banks, Finnick, and Kara get off the transport. They're blasting their way through the deck. At this point, Moff Gideon knows he's in trouble. Uh, this is when he says, all right, let's do it. Let's crank this bad boy to an 11. He says, activate the Dark Troopers. So we're on the clock now, Spencer. Remember, if the Dark Troopers get activated, you have a period of a few minutes before they are powered up and ready to fight. Mando gets off um, it, it, by himself. Which, which, given that tension, given that clock, his little sauntering walk off the yes. ship pissed me off. It's just like, dude, yeah. you're all, there is a time limit here. Come on, dude. Yeah, but he does get off to the Mando theme, um, which is always which is sneaked in a few times in this episode. And it's being played through one instrument, so it's really stripped down Mando theme. Uh, I, anyway, I liked it. Back to the Mando Avengers. They keep shooting their way through the ship. At one point, Bo-Katan and Sasha Banks use their jetpacks to fly under a bridge. Really sweet move here, Spencer. I loved it. They yes. fly under the bridge. It looks like Kara and Finnick are sort of like, um, you know, out on their own and, and in trouble. And a whole bunch of stormtroopers come up. It looks like they got them. And then up comes uh, the two Mandalorians and their jetpacks and fucking kill all the stormtroopers. Really cool scene. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Mando's sneaking around. He's doing a good job of avoiding folks uh, for the first little while anyway. Then we see the Dark Troopers who are quickly powering up. One quick detail on them when they power up, apparently there's like a power cord on them or an exhaust pipe or something. <laughs> and when they get to a certain level, like 70% or so, the thing breaks off. That, I don't that, I don't understand. That reset must be really damn annoying. Like you had Yeah, to send it's hard to get to them fix- fucking plugged back in. <laughs> you need an entire NASCAR crew to get these guys going and recharged every single time they come into the pit. It's just, come on. <laughs> um, but we do see that there are a lot of damn storm- or dark troopers. There are more than I thought he had. He has a full, but he, for the first one, it's like a full platoon. It's like, yeah, there's like, there's like 40 of these guys in here. 
Hell yeah. Back to the Avengers, and they're sneaking around now, killing stormtroopers as they go. I got to say, not as many stormtroopers as I would have expected on this ship. And Spencer, maybe if Moff Gideon wasn't so blasé about killing them, so willy-nilly about uh, expending stormtroopers during his escapades, maybe he'd have more stormtroopers to protect himself during this scene. Just saying. You know, I think that's a fair point. I think that's a really an HR discussion that really needs to happen going forward about the importance of employee retention to long-term corporate success. I, you know, th there needs to be a lesson that's provided here because totally, the guy had more stormtroopers at the end of the last season than he Fuck apparently yeah. does now. And he was just, you know, they, the stormtroopers that, who had Baby Yoda, who were kind of outside town during the, the last two episodes of season one, were like joking about how Moff Gideon would just randomly kill his own men. Well, that clearly wasn't a good idea. And I do want to draw a parallel here, which we may eventually see on screen. I hope we do anyway, that, uh, that um, there is another guy. Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, perhaps? Grand Admiral Thrawn. God, why do I always blink on his name when we're doing the pod? Grand Admiral Thrawn. And I guarantee you Grand Admiral Thrawn will never be caught with this few of stormtroopers because he values his resources. He doesn't willy-nilly kill stormtroopers. He doesn't send them in when he knows that it's an impossible task. He would never be caught with, like, what, 50 stormtroopers like, like uh, no, Moff Gideon is here. And it's part of the reason he was, assuming it plays out the same way now in the Disney canon that does in the legacy lore, it's part of the reason he was one of the greatest threats that the New Republic ever faced was because people were loyal to him. They wanted to follow him. They believed in him and his cause because he treated them like people. He was the first person in years that you know, the Imperial Grunt looked at and said, this guy cares whether I live and die. That was apparently novel to them, which is almost just sad about the state of Imperial leadership after the fall of the Empire. Yeah, Grand Admiral Thrawn never would be caught in the situation that Moff Gideon finds himself in now. Uh, but anyway, back to the recap, we find the Dark Troopers are powered up and they are in formation and they look fucking badass. And so your excitement, your excitement totally warranted about the Dark Troopers, by the way. It's just amazing to me how a 1995 game and this television show can just make me so damn giddy to see these guys on the screen. But these they really portray them as just Terminator motherfuckers that are just ready to murder and that's the only thought in their mind. They are badass. They move a little slow, but they are badass. Back to Mando, who's running around. Uh, back to the Avengers. Kara's gun gets jammed, but Finnick um, deals with them for a while until Kara starts whacking them and eventually goes to a ground and pound move that we see in the octagon. Um, just just <laughs> dropping folks. Second time that we have a, a professional fighter on the show displaying their ability to ground and pound. Back to the Dark Troopers and super daunting music is playing. I love the score of this episode. They really need to uh, to, to submit this one for a potential Emmy. Did you have something? Yeah, the music in this I was going to say, I was great. The music in the episode is just great. It's flawless. There's so many perfect moments of the music come in. I just wanted to note that the music they play with the Dark Troopers is drawing very clear influence from the same music they have back in the video game. So I just like that touch too. Oh wow, man, that's a cool detail. God, it's the little things with this show. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mando gets to the the bay where the dark troopers are and the doors are starting to open and he just hollers no no no, no, no. no, no well mando no. maybe if you had sped up when you were sauntering like <laughs> sauntering off this ship you wouldn't be in this situation uh, but anyway he goes to close it and he is able to close the door but not before one of them gets their hands in the elevator door you know kind of like you're you're trying to to get in an elevator and somebody just like with yeah. a lot of like a force just jams their hand in there. That's exactly what happens here. And that particular dark trooper is able to pry it open in the process of doing so hits Mando. And that there is grown man strength, Spencer. Woo. 
when he hits Mando, Mando it is he flies back in a way I've not seen Mando get dealt with before. I mean, there is grown man strength with the Dark Troopers. Mando goes full ragdoll before this scene is done. He is tossing him around like he is a kitten in terms of just the relative relative strength that's going on here. And we get, um, very appropriately for the actor that is playing Mando, Pedro Pascal, we get what could have been a proper Oberyn Martell moment happening with respect to the punches this Dark Trooper is throwing. Was that a reference? I think it was. That might have been a Game of Thrones reference. I think we might have had office space this season. We might have had Westworld, and we might have got Game of Thrones here. It's it's wild. And we, we see, as you noted earlier, a very valuable lesson on... Children, always bring your helmet with you when you're going into battle. Because Mando gets some punches to his grill that would have just rendered his head to paste were that Beskar not there. God, I love that you said grill. Mando goes flying. That one gets the door open um, and Mando shoots it, but that does nothing. Blaster fire does nothing to these things. And what I what I feel like Mando is doing, Mando doesn't know how to fight these things. He's never been around one before. And I feel like he's just testing out all of his different resources to <laughs> yeah. see what the fuck works, right? He, um, he's, using, he's using video game logic from like you've encountered a new enemy where you're just pressing everything in your inventory and hoping something works. He's like, uh, flamethrower. No, shit. Now he's just on fire and angry at me. Uh, whirly yeah. birds. No. All right, fine. Spear. Let's try that. The one gets the, wow. Spencer did the recap for me. The one gets through the door, um, uh, is, is punching, finally picks Mando up by the throat puts him and this is the scene that we were talking about before pushes him against the wall and just starts punching his face over and over and over again the reason we think it might be a reference is because the same actor played a guy named Oberlin Martell in Game of Thrones and he died was because his head exploded because somebody <laughs> crushed it like a grape so maybe that's what they're going for here but it is an uncomfortable scene because as he is punching the wall behind Mando is caving in and I I was I was viscerally upset by this. I just didn't. I I know that the best car holds, mm-hmm. based on what we've seen in the show. But man, I just had this thought that like it was eventually just going to start denting and denting. Um, it was very 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 uncomfortable scene. For me. It, it was getting close to that. These things are strong as all goddamn hell. And also from just a purely medical standpoint, Mando's going to want to have to go through a concussion protocol after this because his brain is jostled in a way that will be difficult to long term recover for outside of space magic science. Mando CTE confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Confirmed. Mando then shoots the dark trooper with the torch, which gives it a pause, but ultimately, like Spencer, like Spencer just said, really it just became on fire and still angry. Meanwhile, the other dark troopers are punching the glass, trying to get out, and they punch in unison. I've never seen anything like it. The dark troopers must have like the same motherboard because they're all like they all punch at the same time. Mando then pulls out the spinny whirly things. Mm-hmm. which knocks it back a little bit. It does give him a few seconds, but it keeps coming. And then he pulls out, da, 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 ladies and gentlemen, the Beskar staff that was given to him um, by the magistrate a few episodes ago, the Ahsoka episode, and which survived the explosion of his ship. He's got the Beskar staff, pulls it out, drives it straight through that robot neck, and boom, that did it. Killed yeah. it. He Fine. pressed the right. He finally got to the right button combination on that controller. <laughs> Very much so. And I think this scene is just final proof, as we've been talking about and debating the entire season. He stabbed it with the pointy end. It is a spear, not a staff. Oh, uh, I'm, it's 100% a spear. I, did I say staff? It's a spear. Yeah, Fucked up my notes. We, That's a spear. We have final proof. And again, 
it, I'm sure the Beskar is, you know, supernaturally sharp in all kinds of ways because they've made Beskar just the best thing ever when it comes to this show. But it's notable that he also kind of gets lucky. That he's just kind of yeah. blind stabbing this thing and he gets it through the armor, into the neck, into the processor. It's a perfect shot where if he'd hit a different part of it, I think he would have just lost a spear and then lost his neck. I don't know. I mean, I think that he would eventually killed this thing but i mean he, you're right he was he was just trying anything and he there was a little bit of luck there but he does kill one so mando confirmed one kill of a dark trooper um so woohoo um mando then gets up hits the switch and the dark troopers are shot out of the back of the bay woohoo Spencer. Great shot. dark Great troopers shot. are defeated no more dark troopers that oh, yeah. storyline's over right yeah yeah they they, they, they can't fly right Right? No, I mean, no, they're done. It's over. They shot out the back of the bay. Remember, it's over. Yeah, that's that. That that is how that works. If you space something, it's gone forever. Goodbye, dark troopers. Never have to worry about you again. Back to the Avengers and Kara gets her gun working in the most lame way possible. I like the character. I'm not sure I like the actress Spencer because <laughs> her scenes when she delivers lines. Oh my God, do I cringe. <sighs> It is a, something the fan base is is debating a great deal lately. I'm personally fine with her. I think she does an okay job, but there uh, have been some awkward moments over the course of the season. This was one of them. Uh, then they take the deck, Spencer. They took the deck. Now they have the ship, but hmm, Gideon isn't there. This really, really seems to upset Bogotan, and I think it's related to that conversation that you pointed out for earlier, Spencer, that she, her one thing is she has to beat Moff Gideon. And he's not there. She wants to know where he is. Back uh, to Mando. Go ahead. No, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, play it out here in a second. Back to Mando and he kills two troopers and he goes into a room where Baby Yoda! We finally see him as in cuffs and Moff Gideon is standing over him with a dark saber. How hmm. much were you freaking out this scene? It just sheer rage. Is Moff Gideon is just kind of waving a lightsaber over Baby Yoda's head. Trembling and angry. Uh, Moff Gideon... Uh, real son of a bitch. Um, he uh, he deserves what's coming to him. He tells Mando to drop the blaster, which Mando does. I mean, Mando at this point, he's he, again, he's just there for the kid. Whatever Gideon is asking him to do when he has that fucking darksaber near his forehead, near, near uh, Grogu's forehead, he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks him to kick the, the blaster over, and he does. He kicks it over to Gideon. Mando says, give me the kid. Gideon, the kid is fine where he is. Gideon says he knows Mando has been traveling with Bo-Katan. And great line here by Gideon. Uh, potential line of the episode may not win, but a potential line of the episode. Friendly piece of advice. Assume that I know everything. And he rapidly proves that to be true. Man man knows every single thing that goes on in rural New Mexico and all of his chicken joints. He goes on to say he knows Mando used his one and only spinny whirly thing. So he kind of does know a lot. of How the hell does he know that, Spencer? Was he like watching security camera or something? Uh, that's my guess is he has like security feed built into his armor or something. He's able to watch what's going on. It's probably also, also when he's saying, I imagine that they've killed on the bridge. Okay, if he knows that Mando used his spinny whirly things, he clearly has a camera also on the bridge and knows exactly what happened there. Yeah, Mando asks, where is this going? Good question. Fandom wants to know that too, Moff Gideon. I'm guessing Bo-Katan and her party have arrived at the bridge, seeking me, or more accurately, this. Waves the dark saber, but I'm not there. And I imagine that they've killed everyone on the bridge, being the murderous savages that they are. What? And now, they're beginning to panic. You see, she wants this. Do you know why? Because it brings power. Whoever wields this sword has the right to lay claim to the Mandalorian throne. 
Mando says, you can keep it. <laughs> Just want the kid. Okay. Keep the damn. That's a great monologue about this sword. I don't give a shit about the sword. You can keep it. Give me the kid. Yeah, Moff sh- Gideon. Shut up, Hannibal. I don't care about your speech. I don't. Yeah. I want the Unbelievable. kid. <laughs> yeah, I know you have uh, been waiting for this moment, Moff Gideon, but I could give a shit. Can I just have the kid? Gideon looks down. Shocking, shocking statement here. Says, very well. I've already got what I want from him. His blood. All I wanted was to study his blood. I don't think he's studying his blood. Uh-uh. Just my my thoughts there anyway back to Gideon's speech the child is extremely gifted and has been blessed with great properties that have the potential to bring order to the galaxy hmm. he keeps cutting back to Grogu the, the scene keeps cutting back to Grogu the, the, the shot mm-hmm. and um, he's looking at Mando He but Grogu appears like somebody took his blood he just seems tired out of it but he does obviously recognize mando and he's following mando um throughout the scene that's a good point I, i've noticed that the grogu seems really lethargic for a lot of his scenes it doesn't seem as interactive or engaged i wasn't sure whether it was some some effect of the cuffs or like you said a blood transfusion is a, 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 um, a taking some blood from him could also be a perfect legitimate explanation for it but it's a good catch that he is definitely acting a bit off compared to what we've seen him before and we know from the speech from Dr. Pershing that like the amount of blood is very important to them. And so I'm sure that they took the maximum amount they could without killing him, which is just exhausted baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Gideon says, take him. But if you take him, you will leave the ship immediately and we will go our separate ways. You will never step foot in this chicken joint ever, ever again. <laughs> Mando goes in to take Grogu, goes in to take Grogu and Gideon fires up the dark saber and attacks. God, this fucking Gideon, man. What a dick. The, um, the actor apparently said just that he broke so many dark sabers during this scene when they were filming <laughs> it, just because he was having so much fun just whacking the shit out of Pedro Pascal. Yeah, because that's ultimately that's this fight scene is that he's just swinging the dark saber, and you know Mando for most of the fight is just like holding up his armor and trying to parry the blows with the Beskar, um, and so it's just like really whack a mole for Gideon. Eventually, Gideon pulls. Um, he 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 keeps hitting him uh, over and over again. Um, Mando is kind of like knocked down. But I will tell you, I, I liked how they they blocked this scene because while Gideon seems to have the upper hand, he's got the dark saber and he's whacking away at Mando. I never got the impression that Mando was really panicking or in trouble. Did you? The only moment of when Mando looked a little bit caught off guard was there was that one moment of when Mando's finally got the spear up and he's blocking the dark saber. Yes. And Moth Gideon starts to push him, and Mando briefly, suddenly shocked and appalled as he's just suddenly getting pushed back as the Darksaber is just cutting through the wall next to him. That's the only yeah. real time he seemed to briefly out of out of control of what was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Spencer got to it. Mando pulls out the Beskar spear, and they start fighting, and we have been waiting for this ever since we first knew that mm-hmm. there was a Beskar staff spear whatever we knew we talked about it in that episode and we probably i don't even think we got through the recap before we started talking about it we said this is going to be the tool that they use to to actually that mando uses to fight the dark saber and goddamn if we did not get that scene um the spear holds up and even to prolonged direct contact from the dark saber which i thought was interesting because you know they made great great pains to show that where the dark saber was hitting um, the, the spear and you saw the spear like change colors because it was getting very hot but it held up yeah and I like some codas they placed the, they helped me accept Beskar a little bit more I still think it's overpowered but they put some limitations on it they note earlier that only pure Beskar will do this yep and I like that addition because 
I was previously complaining this seemed like it was almost retroactively rewriting the lore that now all Mandalorian armor can do this in a way we've never no. seen before. No, no, no. This man has unusually pure Beskar in a way that's just not possible and most Mandalorians don't have. Both in his armor that he's wearing, at least the majority of his armor, but also in this staff. And then, like you noted, I like that the staff itself is clearly resisting the lightsaber, but if he'd held it there a little bit longer, it yeah, was clearly, broke, yeah. it was looking <laughs> like it was going to start to melt. Yeah. Um, during this, I had the thought Gideon can fight, but not as good as our boy Mando. It is pretty clear that Mando is eventually going to get the upper, upper hand, and he does. He wraps him in a cable at one point, which Gideon fights off. They hit back, boom, back and forth, left, right, left, right. Eventually, boom, Mando parries a blow, knocks the dark saber off. He has disarmed the dark saber. Very important detail. Um, and Mando brings Gideon to the deck. Yeah, credit credit where it's due to uh, Giancarlo Esposito here. He's not a young man, but he puts together a hell of a nice fight scene right here. This was actually a, a well-done, well-choreographed fight. I like this that it wasn't overly flashy. It's two guys going at each other in a way that makes for a very entertaining watch. Absolutely. But but key detail there, Mando disarmed uh, Moff Gideon, uh, disarmed the Darksaber. So Mando brings Gideon into the deck. Bo-Katan is immediately upset when she sees this. What happened? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kara says he brought him in alive. That's what happened. Kara thinks this means the New Republic will now have to double the payment. But Gideon points out that is not what Bo is talking about. Gideon asked Bo-Katan why she doesn't kill Mando and take it. So Bo, he's he's talking at another level mm -hmm. right now with Bo-Katan that everybody else in the room is not quite sure what he's talking about. Um, Bo hesitates at this notion. Gideon then explains that the Darksaber must be won in battle. Mando tries to give it to her. He even says he yields at one point, but that's not enough. Moff Gideon narrates this entire scene, needling Bo as he goes. Bo could have... Bo could have started to wail on Mando. She probably had the numbers, mm -hmm. but she doesn't. Um, and I think that's an interesting move because Bo is there because she wants to rule Mandalore. She cannot rule Mandalore without the Darksaber. You cannot have the Darksaber without defeating the person who has it in battle. And right now Mando has it, but she doesn't fight Mando. Spencer, why do you think that is? It seems to suggest there's an honorable core here. I mean, I don't have as much history of the character, but from what you've suggested to me before and what I've heard from the rest of the fan base, as insufferable as she could be at times, she's not a bad person, and she's a person that wants to do things correctly in the right way. And with as much as he's assisted them, with as much as he's been a loyal ally to their cause, along with serving theirs, striking him down now under these terms in this situation seems like the most dishonorable way of going about accomplishing your objectives. You know, and I think that Gideon was banking on the idea that he could needle Bo into actually fighting Mando here. I think he thought that was going to happen, but Bo, resi Bo resists that notion. And I'm sure it's a temptation for her, but she does not do it. Um, even when Gideon says that she's a pretender to the throne without the sword. I thought that yeah. was pretty brutal. But Bo takes it in stride. Not really in stride, but she takes it. Then, Spencer... We got something on the radar. We got something on the radar. Well, question before we get back to the radar. Just one quick question. Is yep. the implication here that Moth Gideon defeated Bo? Is he following the same rules? Is she honoring that with respect to him because she thinks that she has to greet him on those terms? It, it, that that detail is not fleshed out in the Clone Wars and Rebels. How I, how she lost Darksaber um, when, you know, during the Great Purge is not explained man man's pretty scrappy and you know several years in the past he might have even been more scrappy than he is now so 
maybe he actually defeated her in, in, in hand-to-hand combat, or maybe he's just co-opting a rule now that it's in his possession. I think that's what happened. My, my, they don't they don't explain it. I'm sure we'll get it at some point, probably like in a comic book or something. But I think that he just kind of came in and just ran rough shot and stole it, and yeah. now he's just kind of using the the rules. But I don't th- I don't think Moff Gideon could have defeated Bo-Katan in battle. But I don't know. Who knows? But, we'll probably get that answer at some saying. point. But as you were saying, I think there's a radar contact. What could that possibly be? There's a radar contact, Spencer. Radar. Uh, we got some beeps. Okay, it looks to be oof, maybe 35, 40. How many life forms, Spencer? None. Is that the Dark Troopers music, ladies and gentlemen? They are not dead. <laughs> Your Dark Troopers, Spencer. Your favorite Dark Troopers, they are back. They blast through space and they land on the cruiser. How intimidating are these guys as they are breaching into this ship to continue the fight? Gideon points out that Mando had his hands full with one. How's he going to do with a platoon? Cut to the dark troopers who are on the move, but slowly. I'll point out, they're badass, Spencer. They don't move very fast. It, with the sheer amount of armor and weight they got wielding behind it and the power of that punch, you know, it takes time to get where you're going. Plus, they're not in a hurry. Everyone they want is in a locked room in a single location. They walk all at the same time with super ominous music yes. playing in the background as the dark troopers march toward the bridge. Inside, Mando puts down Baby Yoda, says not to worry, he's going to get him out of there. Again, boom, boom. I love the drum beat yes. of the dark troopers as they go. The Avengers seal the blast door and the dark troopers just keep coming. Eventually, Sasha Banks informs everybody they're here. The Avengers get ready for battle. Spencer, I'm going to tell you, I think they would have fought bravely. I'm not quite sure they would have won that battle against 40 uh, of these motherfuckers. I think they know they're in trouble. I think yeah, they know I, they're in a lot of trouble. I love Moff Gideon's line there. He said something like, um, you know, you've got an impressive group here, and you'll you'll put on a, a nice effort, but in the end, everyone's going to be dead but me and the child. Yeah. And, and he's probably right. He is probably right that as badass as they are, these things seem pretty resistant to blaster fire, and they've got one dark saber that only one person in the room is apparently allowed to use, and one spear. And I don't think any of them are expert enough to survive the just onslaught that they would endure before they could ever get close enough to use them. Then they start to punch the door. Battering Ram style makes for a super ominous scene here. They wait punch after punch. Moff Gideon delivers that line that you just talked about there that basically, hey, it's just going to be the two of us, me and the child, after uh, after these guys come in here and kick everybody's ass. But punch after punch, the Dark Troopers keep trying to get in. And then, alarm beeping. Alarm beeping. Spencer, Spencer, I don't even know how to, I, I don't I don't even know. How to do it. I don't know, man. Can we do this? I don't know. Can we make Woo! it through it? Out the window, they see one x-wing one old style could it be ladies and gentlemen no no could it be no 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 it could no no one x-wing oh my god baby yoda's ears perk up to boot he starts to coo feeling better spencer he's starting to feel better this is the best baby yoda has looked the entire episode and then the dark troopers stop Inside, the Avengers wonder why, and Moff Gideon's face says he wonders too. I don't think this was part of his plan. Then we get the security cam footage. We see security cam, Spencer, and a cloaked figure with a green, green, green ladies and gentlemen, green, 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 green lightsaber is absolutely carving up your Dark Troopers. Spencer, Dark Troopers, the entire episode 
ominous, dangerous, terrible Mando had all he could handle with one. As you pointed out, got lucky to even kill that one. Whoever this motherfucker is, is cutting through them like butter. Ain't no thing. I, I love, I even commented this before, it kind of annoyed me that um, Ahsoka was not using more uh, force powers in respect to her fights. And I kind of wrote it off that she was trying to, you know, give people a fair fight. This cloaked figure is using the force as a Jedi master and using it effortlessly to rip through these guys. It's not just the lightsaber that's doing the it's doing the killing of these dark troopers. There are force abilities at play in just mass both a masterful ease. Baby Yoda is fully awake now. Triumphant music is playing in the background. It's the cloaked figure. We still don't have a face, Spencer, but we do have a green, 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 green lightsaber. And he is carving up these things. He's using the force, as you point out. Gideon then makes his move. He picks up a blaster, fires it at Bo-Katan, hitting her armor. I'm not sure he actually hits her, though. Then he turns to Grogu. Fires shots. I think this is just spiked right now. Yes. This is just being mean. He has no reason to shoot at Grogu. I don't understand the purpose of shooting at Grogu here. It's not going to get him off the ship. It's not going to save him. Grogu's done nothing to him, but he shoots at him anyway. This Moff Gideon is a fucker. I like to... That's my medical diagnosis. He is a proper fucker. This is pure spite, like you said. He He has no opportunity to survive this. He has no opportunity to win. We get to see him legitimately afraid as he was watching the same monitors as everybody else did. We've never seen him. Even when we got to see Mando threaten him last episode, we did not see him this clearly, bowels clenchingly terrified. So I agree. He's just trying to... He's mean. He's, he's mean. He's, he's doing this out of spite and committing suicide by cop. These are his objectives here. I did like, though, that when he uh, unloaded on um, Bo-Katan, her armor, which is... I think she had said before she she's inherited for a few generations, so it probably has a higher amount of, of uh, Beskar than a lot of other Mando armor that we would otherwise see. Yeah, the newer stuff. It's she still It still knocks her off her feet. It's still not as good as Mando's literally reflecting the bolts off. She's still no. knocked down by a few shots to her, but it's enough to protect her, it seems. And she may not be as strong as Mando either. I mean, I, she's, she's, she's a good fighter, but I'm not sure she had the brute strength that Mando does. But anyway, it's a good point. She does get knocked off her feet. But he takes that shot at Grogu. I, I just got to tell you, it's just meanness. A big streak of fucking nasty meanness through him. And when he does, Mando literally jumps in front of the blaster fire. Thank Secret you, Secret service in the way. Secret service. He's got the detail. Grogu's got the detail. Mando literally jumps in, saving Grogu's life yet again. Uh, Daddy showing the love there. Daddy showing the love there. The security camera keeps showing this cloaked figure, continuing to carve up the dark troopers. There's a lot of them, but he, I don't, it's interesting when you're watching the footage, and I, I've, I've watched it now maybe three or four times. Never in any of the footage was it anything other than effortless killing these things. No. It, it, no, he never gets knocked back. He never has to parry a blow. Like, he is just killing them as if it's nothing. No, and there's several times of when he's not even bothering to block shots. He's just dodging them. Not even, like, with a, with a, with a great degree of physical effort. He's just walking past them because he knows where they're going to go. This is just... It, it, is de- it is a delightful demonstration of ability that he's not having to work hard here. He's just walking down a hallway and you're in his way. Yeah, it is. it's it literally like... You know, killing stormtroopers to whoever this guy is, man. And as he's doing this, Grogu walks up. Really interesting scene mm-hmm. here, Spencer. Grogu walks toward one of the monitors and puts his hand on the screen. And he actually puts his hand 
on the part of the screen that's the cloaked figure, clearly feeling a connection to whoever this individual is. If you remember, folks, in the two episodes ago, Grogu did sit on the scene stone. He did ha create a force field. He did call out in the force for someone. We, on this very podcast, predicted that he absolutely talked to someone and someone was coming. It does appear that this is a Jedi. He came. He spoke to Grogu in the Force, and he is now there, kicking some serious ass. We see the cloak figure take an elevator up to where the bridge is. The dark troopers that are out in front of their door, which is probably like maybe 10 of them, the ones that were punching away, they stop. The dark troopers turn. Um, they look at the, the elevator. They, they wait. They wait. The Avengers wait. They're anxious. Door opens. Cloaked figure, now using that green lightsaber, just perfectly just masterfully mark i'm gonna use a technical term here term here he marks them yes he marks them like it's nothing mm -mm, mm -mm. and you know this is a kind of scene that reminded me a bit of a scene from rogue one you know when, when darth vader's you know um, uh, you know trying to go into the tanta four and, mm -hmm. and you know cutting down rebel troopers that are in his way just effortlessly as he goes down the hallway there were some interesting parallels between that scene i I almost wonder if there's a bit of a connection between this cloaked figure and Darth Vader. You think that yeah, that's possible in any way? I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, we I'm haven't seen his face. I don't know. I don't I'm know. All I know is I'm seeing. All I'm seeing is a bunch of ten eight rounds, Spencer. Ten eight rounds galore before the knockout. He even uses the force at one point in a super cool scene. Like this is not a force push. This is a using brute force. Brute force. Haha. To crush one of these guys. Oh. Just waving a hand. That, by the way, has a glove on it. Got a glove on that hand. It's a gloved hand, and yeah. It's a gloved hand. Crushes one. Crushes one. Uh, Inside. Oh, yeah, go ahead. There's even a moment before that they absolutely adore, too. That, that crushing scene was glorious. There's a moment before when he's going down that hallway where he doesn't force push someone. He locks them in place and force pulls them to his lightsaber. Badass, man. Whoever this person is, they have a mastery of the force we've rarely ever seen on the screen. Inside, Grogu touches the, the security camera screen again and looks over at Mando, smiling. I, I, here's what I got from that. Hey, Dad, I did it. I did it. I did it. I, I saved the day. I brought the guy. Yeah, Are you Dad, proud of me, Dad? Come see what I did. I want head pets. See? See? I brought him. I talked to him. This guy came. Uh, Mando says to open the doors to let in the cloak figure as he picks up Grogu and takes him closer to the door. I do believe Grogu's reaction is what caused Mando to do this. I'm not quite sure they would have opened the door just without, you know, some sort of due diligence uh, without Grogu's reaction there. And Mando, insi Mando insists, open the door, open the door. They open it. The cloak figure walks in, puts away that green lightsaber, takes off his hood, and Spencer. <laughs> do you want to do it? You want me to do it? Please do it. Is that Luke Skywalker's music, ladies and gentlemen? It's Luke Skywalker. Oh my God. Oh my God, Luke Skywalker. We debated this. I didn't think they would. It, it, from a purely moment of television, from a thematic standpoint, from everything else, it made absolute sense. But from a technical standpoint, I didn't think that they would do it. I didn't think they would go this direction, but they did. And then, you know what? It looked okay. It looked like Mark Hamill. It looked it like Mark Hamill. It was amazing. It looked like Mark Hamill. Is that Luke Skywalker's music? He's in the arena, ladies and gentlemen. That was Luke Skywalker. We see him in the flesh in The Mandalorian. Amazing. Just a hell of a scene. It's probably 
what, what Spencer, we going to put it top three, top five Star Wars moments ever now? It is one of the most magical moments. It is the moment we were really, it's a moment we've always been hoping for since Return of the Jedi, of seeing Luke in his prime as a Jedi master, as a commander of the temple. This is what we've always hoped for for so much expanded universe. It's what we honestly kind of hoped for we'd see in the most recent films, but we didn't get that. It It's so great. Oh my God, Luke Skywalker. Whew. Need a cigarette, Spencer. Need two, maybe. Maybe need two. Mando asks if he's a Jedi, and Luke says, I am. Uh, Luke reaches out to Grogu. I love, that, says, Mando, I love that Mando asked the question. It's like. Yeah, I know. Like, what, what how the hell did he do that, Mando? It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, anyway, he asked it. Anyway, he, and Luke says, Yes, I am. Luke reaches out to Grogu and says, Come, little one. Mando, he doesn't want to go with you, Luke. He wants your permission. Get the tears out, Spencer. I, Get the ready. Kleenexes out. I'm not ready again. I cried while I was working. I don't need to do it again. It's tough. Yeah, it got me. Got tears in me too. He wants your permission. He is strong with the Force, but talent without training is nothing. I will give my life to protect the child, but he will not be safe until he masters his abilities. Love Mando that goes quote o- too. Love that quote too. Mando goes over and picks up Grogu, looking at him. Mando, hey, go on. Talking just to Grogu now. It's who you belong with. He's one of your kind. I'll see you again. I promise. Grogu coos and touches his his helmet very seriously. Music completely cuts. And Mando takes off his helmet. Let me look upon you with my own eyes. One last time. <sighs> Baby Yoda looks at him and touches his face. Play it rhymes. It rhymes. <sighs> Oh my God. Mando smiles. Mando, all right, pal. It's time to go. Grogu looks uneasy. Mando, don't be afraid. He puts Grogu down and Grogu holds on to his leg. And then in comes R2-D2. Just, just to complete it. Yeah, just like. Here comes R2. The fangasm's not over yet. R2. Grogu looks at R2. R2 buzzes and Grogu walks over to him. Grogu thinks it's kind of funny. He seems to get a kick out of R2. Um, R2 always been good with kids. Always. Yeah, always, um, Absolutely. Uh, Archie seems to talk to him and Grogu seems to like him. Luke gets a kick out of it, gives a knowing nod to Mando who returns the nod and then tears, ladies and gentlemen, Niagara Falls, Spencer, Niagara Falls. Grogu lifts his arms up to be picked up by Luke. Luke picks him up, says to Mando, may the force be with you and slowly walks off with Grogu. With Grogu looking back at Mando, Mando's eyes well up with tears as does every single person watching the show. Luke, Grogu, and R2 take the elevator down, and Grogu and Mando share one last look. The elevator door closes. End of episode, end of season, and Spencer potentially end of Grogu on The Mandalorian. What an episode. Lot to unpack, but please talk while I cry. I mean, this is just such an all-timer. I mean, we talked before about the ship being great, about it being some of the best Star Wars moments. This is among the best Star Wars moments, period. That we, what we get in the back half of this episode. These scenes put together. It's working the nostalgia, but good lord is it doing it right and doing justice to the characters. They're completing their arcs, they're tying it into the broad, broader Star Wars lore in a way that we never thought they would dare do at the beginning of this show. We never thought they would touch this. We never thought we'd see one of the big freaking Luke, three. are you fucking kidding me? Luke? Like, Luke is the guy. Yeah. He's the number one guy. And then we get Luke. And should 
connecting into that deep lore, drawing it back into the Skywalker saga in that incredible kind of way with just, just these really heartfelt and earned moments between these characters. This isn't just great television. It's great Star Wars in a way that I'm, I treasure getting to have again. A, t- a tough scene, though. Tough oh, scene. good God, yes. You know, I think that they showed a lot of courage to bring Luke in. I think they showed courage in even trying to composite Mark Hamill. And, you know, the, I mean, this is the guy who did the live-action Lion King. I mean, he's got chops. He's got... He's done this type of thing before, and it shows. I mean, it really does kind of look like Mark Hamill. I mean, I, I, I thought... 9.5. I'm going to give it a 9.5. And him taking Grogu... So, so all right, let me back up. Very... What I was trying to point out is that it was a very um, gutsy thing to bring Luke on in the way that they did, as we've talked about. But I think it might even be more gutsy what I think they did. And I've already argued with my brother about it on text. I've been arguing with people all day. This is my position, ladies and gentlemen. And I I may be proved wrong in season three, four, five, whatever. I don't know. I believe that Grogu, my Grogu, my favorite guy. I got shrines to him, countless shirts. Love Grogu. I believe he's off the show, Spencer. What do you think? It is possible we'll get a cameo. It is possible several seasons down the way we may get another reunion of sorts. But as a mainline character to this show, he's done. His arc is done. And I would offer not just him. I would say, and... I feel like we almost need to discuss the closing scene we also still have in this episode to, to, to address this point. But I think we've got an indication that the chapters of Din Djarin, is that the name of the character? Bando's story? Din Djarin, yeah. Din yeah. Djarin may themselves have also come to a close here. I think that we'll continue to get Din. I think we'll have, you know, I think, well, first off, right now, I think that Din might be the rightful ruler of Mandalore. So they got to unpack all that. But I do think that they gave, I mean, they understand how much the fandom loves Grogu and they gave us a proper send off. Now I want everybody out there, all the sweet summer children to enjoy the fact that Grogu is now with the right person. Mm -hmm. He's out. He's going to learn how to be a Jedi. Luke is going to keep him safe. Luke said, I will, I will will protect you with my life. It's a happily ever after for Grogu, right? Okay, everyone who believes that, I would like you to turn your radio down for one minute. Okay. Spencer, Kylo Ren kills every single person in Luke's Jedi Academy. I am terrified that Kylo Ren put a fucking lightsaber through Grogu. This is the kind of thing of where I'm thinking Disney, upon realizing how successful this has been, might just go, eh, that's not canon anymore. I, they might Kylo just do Ren that. They might just do that. Everyone in Ju- Luke's Jedi Academy, and there is no way that Grogu aged up long enough to have left the Academy. He had to still be there. Kylo Ren killed everyone. It was an Anakin in Episode Three killing the younglings moment. That's canon. Every single one of them. It disturbed Luke so bad that he went and hit on that shitty rock. No, so that th- that was the story. Oh my God! Oh my God! That that was the story. What, what, what did Mark Hamill refer to? That was the story of Kyle Skywalker, not Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is the one we see right here, proper Jedi Master in his prime. That says that he would protect his students with his life and would never hurt them. That is Luke. That other thing. Now, now Disney's going to write that off in a few years, like it never happened. Okay, I think the sweet summer children are back with us. So. 
Isn't it grand that Grogu's going to live happily Such a ever happy after, ending. Spencer? This, this is the riding off Man. in the sunset kind of thing. God. I'm so pleased with yeah. how that worked out for him. I mean, Grogu's just going to grow up to be a Jedi Master. We'll probably get him in what? The 10th, you know, the number 10, 11, 12, yeah, yeah. you know, probably, when probably it, he'll, he'll come back as a Yoda S character. It'll just be grand. I'm yeah, so happy when they do a massive time jump years from now, so they can fully escape from the existing star Wars lore. And then you do like 500 years in the future. Yeah. He's going to be assuming the full Yoda man. mantle. He'll be leading a new reconstituted temple. It'll be great. Yeah, man. Love, love when things work out. Love when we have happy endings. Okay. That's the recap. I'm going to tell you that I think that this is probably one of the better seasons of television I've ever seen. I think season two is better than season one. Uh, I, I need to I need to take a while to unpack it. I need to let it marinate. But my initial reaction is this is up there with maybe like Game of Thrones season three, uh, West Wing season one, Breaking Bad, the final season. Some of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. I hope I'm not overstating that. I will address, I'll, I'll come back to it, obviously. Next year we'll do pods on on. Season three, and maybe maybe my opinion will change. But right now, I think it's one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Spencer, am I crazy? It's hard to say. As you said, we're too close to it. We're too big of Star Wars fans, and this is too big of a Star Wars moment. That's one of the key things here, is that this is an incredible Star Wars moment. Not just a moment of television. Television show can be successful in its own right. But this, this to be so focused as a perfect coda to a Star Wars series... It's hard to separate those two in our minds. I think we're going to need a little bit of distance to separate from. I don't think we can ever dispute how important this is as a Star Wars fan, how important this is as a moment in the history of the Star Wars media. That, I think, is going to be indisputable. How it stands as a television show, it's obviously great quality. It's obviously well done. The fact that it's able to bring about so successful as a Star Wars moment is an incredible achievement. But I think we need to give it time to know where it stands, how it stands on its own legs. Fair. But that's my that's my stance right now. So uh, wrapping up season two, our coverage of season two, my, my final thoughts are that it was a great season. I think it got progressively better. I think the finale was incredible. I think that we did get a send-off for Grogu. So tears, everybody. I, I'm not sure we're going to get Grogu in season three. But we will get something in season three, right, which well, uh, we, will, we will be here for and we will cover. And let's discuss what season three is. Because I want to discuss that given what we see at the very end of this episode. Um, okay. All right. We do what do you want to go? Well, do, shall we discuss the teaser? Because I think we have to discuss the teaser as part of this episode, how it occurs. Sure. Go ahead. Explain it. Well, in the teaser at the end of this episode, after we've done the first cycle of credits, pretty much all the credits, because I think the only ones that came after ones are the uh, ones that are in foreign languages, we suddenly go back to Tatooine, as we've done throughout this series. Tatooine is our lodestone, is our point of return at all times. And we see Jabba's palace looking pretty much like it did in Return of the Jedi several years ago. We see Bib Fortuna, uh, Jabba the Hutt's former major, uh, major domo, now apparently having grown about 300 pounds and apparently trying to look very Jabba-esque, sitting on Jabba's throne with a cold, with a pretty limited collection of hangers on. Things have clearly not gone as well for this criminal enterprise. It's not able to afford quite as many people performing as there were previously, but there's a few. There's a blaster shout at the door. A guy comes stumbling down the stairs. Fortuna doesn't appear that concerned. Waves a hand. Some guys go. Char a Gamorrean goes charging up. Also promptly gets shot. Finnick comes down the stairs and proceeds to wreck shop. Kills off several of the people there. Frees a, tw a Twi'lek slave. Is got got the gun pointed at Bib Fortuna. In time, 
for Boba Fett to now walk down the stairs in a way that freaks out Bib quite a bit. Starts to protest, starts to hem and haul, gets shot right in the chest. Boba Fett then, without wasting a second, walks up to the stage, rips the body and throws it down to the floor, and then sits on Jabba's throne. Yep. The new emperor of his domain with Finnick on his shoulder chugging a drink while she's there. As we see a new title card emerge, The Book of Boba Fett, December 2021. I gotta ask you, I gotta ask you, this is a question that I have. The show is named The Mandalorian. That is not a particular focused term. Is this suggesting that this show is going to be jumping between different Mandalorians over time? Like, the next season could be the Book of Boba Fett. The season after that could then return to um, the, uh, the joint plot to retake Mandalore. Are we essentially seeing now the retold tales of the Mandalorians as they exist in the galaxy? Or is this an entirely separate show that will just get some crossover characters at times? I do not have an answer for you. I don't have an answer for you, and I can't work up the mental energy to care because Grogu's gone. So <laughs> this um, is the state I don't, you're in. I don't know. Uh, it'll be something. We'll get season three. I don't know. Maybe it'll be Boba Fett just rocking it out in Tatooine. Maybe it will be back to Mando. I don't know. Maybe we're done with Pedro Pascal. Maybe we just jump now to, to Boba Fett. I don't fucking know. I know Grogu is gone, though. For all those who think that season three we're going to get Grogu, you're a sweet no, summer child, no, no, no. I, uh, but you are wrong. I really think that based on what they're showing here, they're actually now going to make this a, a show about the arcs of Mandalorians in the galaxy. This next season is going to be about um, Boba Fett. Season Boba after, Fett? Se, season after that could be about Bo-Katan. Next season, maybe we'll return to, you know, to uh, Din Djarin yeah. and, and Pedro Pascal. Who knows? It seems like they're opening a book to a much larger universe focusing on the Mandalorians, which could be really exciting. It could answer the question that you and I were, I were debating, is that how can there be a show when Baby Yoda's off it? Yeah, and maybe that's because they just jumped to Boba Fett. I don't know. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, but I do know that our next segment is Best Line of the Episode. we got some good ones, Spencer. Do you have any nominees? I'm going to try to read... <laughs> I basically, I've got little trick, little, little uh, notes for, to hopefully trigger memory, and let's see how much of the quotes that I can remember to do that with. Um, okay, quote from the start that I quite liked, cause we, like we talked about. The little back and forth we get between that Imperial pilot and Cara Dune concerning Alderaan and the Death Stars and different perspectives and motivations that they have, I thought it was, I don't think it's going to be in the top five of even the best quotes, but I thought it was an important line, because it's emphasizing something that they've been doing over the course of the series, is that the Empire didn't just emerge because a couple evil guys waved their hands around. They emerged democratically with millions of people, billions of the people around the galaxy supporting them. These people have their own reasons, they have their own motivations, flawed and wrongful and supporting an evil cause that they are. They are still humans doing human things. That's an important thing to remember about how something like the Empire comes about. So I liked that, focusing on his perspective for why he's doing what he's doing. Um, okay. I, it, it amused me. It amuses me every single time we get to see a reaction of a character of having Mando say they took the child. Like we said, that is just the ultimate yeah, power. Yeah, times face dropped. Yeah, I, so I quite enjoyed that. Every single time that we got to see um, Boba Fett referred to Bo-Katan as princess, just you know, I love that kind of reference. Is she literally a princess, or is that just a, 
a boy of mocking her and also a reference back to uh, Star Wars: A New Hope in terms of Princess Leia. No, right she's now. from she's from Mandalore royalty. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's I mean he's mocking her, but yeah, I mean you, she's from royalty. Okay, well, still well, so, still liked the mocking, still liked the reference back to uh, all the mocking that was directed to Princess Leia back in the original films. Uh, Boba Fett's line: "I've heard your voice a thousand or line: I've heard your voice a thousand times." Boba's response: "Mine might be the last one you hear." Cold line, good line. Good response to all the mocking that she's throwing his way. Yep. Uh, bo line about needing the, needing the lightsaber back, needing the darksaber back, um, even the discussion and um, Mando's response that he doesn't give a shit, the, the child is his only priority. I like that exchange just because it really hammers home what each character is here for. bo has much greater ambitions right, as compared to Mando does. Mando's are always very much personal. His goals are simple, his goals are straightforward, he has a collection of people that he cares about, and he would do anything for them. He cares nothing for your politics or your worlds or anything else. They're barely even abstract concepts to him. Do-do-do. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in. <clears throat> I'll jump in. Uh, Gideon, um, a friendly piece of advice. Assume that I know everything from the same scene. Gideon, um, you see, she wants this. Do you know why? Because it brings power. Whoever wields this sword has the right to lay claim to the Mandalorian throne. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I, I love also just Mando's response there, but you keep it. I just want the kid. Um, mm-hmm. Even getting continuing on from there about his, about his other motivations, I've already got what I want from him, his blood. All I wanted was to study his blood. Um, the child is ex- extremely gifted. He continues on like that. Uh, it's just a good series of lines about how I don't think Gideon's quest, Gideon's project is done. That whatever he has done, some data is still preserved out there, some agents are still working, clones are still being potentially made. We're not done with Gideon, and we're not done with what he's been trying to bring about in the Star Wars universe, I would say. Uh, I've got a few more. Do you want to keep on doing this round, Robin? Uh, yeah, I mean, go if you got more. But, please, if you, if you have another one to mention. Um, uh, no, I'm okay. not going to, uh, because I, I only have the winner. I already know what the winner is. I I don't want to say the winner. Okay, I've got a couple more. I I really actually liked, this is a little throw off line, but Gideon's line about you're sparing my life. Well, this should be interesting. I love his amusement. I love that he's literally treasuring the, directly treasuring the idea that he's going to get to gloat one more time. Well, he's kind of he kind of plays like this sort of psychopath villain for a little while, right? Like sort of laughing through his own death kind yeah. of deal. I mean, he, like you noted, he's like the Joker. He's almost like he's you know emperor style trying to taunt people into murdering him, but he doesn't yeah. really want to survive this. He directly tries to kill himself once he thinks he's finally screwed. But yeah, he, they stop him. He wants to break them and wants to get one last laugh before he does. Um, and I would say that he fails in a lot of that. A lot of a lot of what he's doing, like he's trying to pit uh, Bo against Mando, that doesn't work. You know, he, he thinks that, you know, the, the dark troopers are going to come in a wreck shop. That doesn't work. Like, I think he fails in a lot of the stuff he's doing, but you're right. He does kind of play that sort of like cackling, you know, villain, you know, just laughing well, as the world burns. And so many of those plans go fail because of a factor that he could not predict. That we don't know what have happened a few seconds later in terms of the confrontation between Mando and Bo. We can guess, we can theorize, but something interrupted that confrontation. In that case, it was the Dark Troopers showing back up. We don't know what would have occurred if they hadn't broken things. And then with respect to the Dark Troopers coming into the scene, like you and I noted, he was right. They were all going to die if Luke had not showed up when he did. Moth Gideon wins every situation because he knows everything that's going on. But when there's a factor that he could not predict, that he didn't have information on, his plans fall apart. 
Hell, they had no idea. Kara mocks the idea that they're being saved by one X-Wing. Yeah, it's just like, oh, what's that guy going to do? You know, Appa is showing up to save us again? Great. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> Not Appa. Um, Not Appa. I'll give you one. I got one here. Okay. Um, hey, go on. That's who you belong with. He's one of your kind. Yeah. I'll see you again. I promise. That's a, that's a great one. Um, last one for me. I love Luke Exchange, but he wants your permission. And his focusing again about the values that we always associate with Luke, that he would give his life to protect the people that are under his chair, under, under his ward, that he would do everything in his power to train them and protect them and let them develop as they should. Again, this is part of the problem that Mark Hamill had with the most recent incarnation of his characters. He didn't feel it was in keeping with those values that we so much associate with Luke. So seeing those on screen was great. But another line that I quite enjoyed is, is Moth Gideon's next taunt is that, oh, no, it doesn't work that way. The Darksaber doesn't have power. The story does. I love that line. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you would like that one. I remember I remember when I watched that, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, I was like, oh, Spencer's going to dig that line. It, it's a great line. It's also just, again, very accurate reading the situation, is that Mandalorians are a warrior culture. They're a culture that probably has a very much an oral tradition. It's these kind of stories and these kind of moments that mean something, that bring them together, that give them a unity of cause and purpose. And this sword has been wrapped up with that. And I don't know what Bo-Katan's going to do going forward. Is she just going to like cold cock Mando and say that she won and that's enough of it to work it off? I don't think I so. don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Or is Mando going to go to Mandalore and be the fucking ruler of Mandalore? I don't know. God help us He's all. He's got it. <laughs> Man does not give a shit about politics. I really would want to know what his economic policy is going to be going forward. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's I think it's on the table. I think it's unlikely, but I think it's on the table. Okay, but in terms of best quote of the episode, sir, what would it be? Best line of the episode, chapter 16, potentially the end of the show as we know it. Come, little one. He doesn't want to go with you. He wants your permission. Oh, oh God. Pull out, the, pull out the Kleenex, Spencer. It's Niagara Falls. It's a Niagara Falls situation. I don't know how you're going to cope with this next I don't know how you're going to cope with the next year, and I don't know how you're going to cope with the next season, man. I, yeah, because if they do just like barrel into like now the show is Boba Fett, like I get no I get no more Grogu. I get no more Mando. Like, ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Again. Ugh. Trust your writers, sir. At the beginning of this show, you had no idea that Baby Yoda existed. You thought it was just going to be a show about a Mandalorian bounty hunter. You thought it was just going to be a spaghetti, a, a, a space western. And you were fine with that. Trust them that they will find another chord like that that you will care about. They will not. You will replace no, Baby you Yoda it, in Spencer. your heart. You stop it. No, they won't. They will not find another thing that I care about as much as Baby Yoda. I can guarantee that. But I do have faith that whatever they produce will be good. And I also have faith that we will be right here talking you through it, ladies and gentlemen, on Mango Talks TV. That is best line of the episode. He wants your permission. Whew, tough one right there. Really hit me in the feels. Paused it the first time just to take it in. Um, very charged, very loaded line, but also very probably very true. Um, let's now go to our last segment of the last episode of the season. That's you, Spencer. Fire it up. I have no idea what you could possibly pick. Nostalgic moment of the episode. I, I can't even bluff this one. I mean, there's, there's, there are a lot of great 
nostalgia moments. Just the even the fact they're using a Lambda class shuttle to do use their secret mission to break in the Imperial base, a la the Battle of Endor. Seeing the dark troopers on the screen, seeing at the end that we go back to Jabba's palace and see Bib Fortuna, fat as all hell, sitting on the throne. Get, get his their ass pal- kicked. Just evil little throwaway lines of when someone yells out, close the blast doors. It's still just great just to see that quote return from New Hope. But when we saw that one lone X-Wing, when we saw that cloaked figure on the screen, when we saw green, that green, green lightsaber, green lightsaber. Woo! we saw Luke dressed the same with the same haircut that he had in Return of the Jedi. How on earth could that not win nostalgic moment of the episode? I mean, nostalgic moment of the season, nostalgic moment of the series. I, it just—it was so magical. It was such a great moment. It's so much of what so many Star Wars fans have just been hoping about and dreaming about and imagining for so many years. And it was great. It was truly wonderful. It was one of the finest moments of Star Wars I've ever had. And. Some people are already starting to write it off as, ah, oh, that episode was just cheesy. It was just fan service. It just shows that oh, they can't... That, shut that they can't, up with that, boy. It shows that they just can't get away from the Skywalkers. I'm like, no. No, no, no. This was... A, this was... This was built. This was built. Right? This was earned. When we did name that Jedi, I mean, I told you, I was like... And, and you agreed. It was like... Well, it makes perfect sense. We were just kind of stumbled, like flummoxed, because we were like, well, it's probably Luke, right? And then we're like, no, it can't be Luke, right? But it, it made narrative sense. Sorry to cut you off. It made absolute narrative sense. It's in keeping with the this moment in the timeline of the Star Wars saga. It is very much in keeping that this could be us seeing one of, one of if not the first of the students of Luke's temple in the Disney canon. It... This, I mean, this is part of the reason that you, 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 it's so easy to get the fan base up in arms is because... This is just so perfectly on the pulse of what people wanted, even more than they knew that they did. Yes, um, and that's like you were one of them, right? Because you you kind of say you when we first broached the subject that maybe Luke would come. I remember you being like, "Ah, no, that's too much." I, I was worried it would be too much. I was worried it would be hokey. I was worried that this wouldn't practically work because I didn't think that they would use the technology to make it actually be Luke. But they did. I mean, we've just kept... There's so many times in the course of the series have we said, where we, I honestly thought, and I think you may have done too, no, they wouldn't have the guts to do that. No, that would be too hard. No, that would be too risky. And man, you know, in fairness, in almost every one of those moments, they went and did it. And they pulled it off well. And this is just the, the utter cherry on the top of all of that, of where introducing Luke having that be the end of the series. We even talked about just how powerful a scene it would be if he gets Baby Yoda back and then loses him in the same episode. But throwing Luke into that mix, having Luke be the one that just draws us into the the mainline Star Wars universe, provides that connection, and then exits with what we've come to love so much, it was just masterful television. It was so well done. It was a Star Wars moment that is just going to be rare and talked about for years, I feel, to come. And I can't, I just can't say enough about it. It was a legitimate surprise. As much as I agreed with you that it was a logical choice, I didn't think it could be possible. And yet it was, and it was done very, very well. And, you know, the show has showed that it has guts, that it'll do the thing you think they don't have the stones to do. 
And in that vein, Spencer, I think they probably are just going to make a show about Boba Fett now. I mean, they'll do it. That's got to be the biggest guts in modern television is being willing to end a show early. I mean, I even expected, I even wrote you plot lines for how they could draw out the Baby Yoda plot for the two seasons. And I think most shows would do that now because there's a lot of pressure that if you have an existing show, if you have an established show and established characters, milk that as long as possible. It's risky. It costs money to start fresh. So the fact that this show, at the prime of its popularity, having a great plot with characters everybody cares about, with Baby Yoda being a cultural phenomenon that they've introduced, is willing to let all that go away and just go in a completely different direction, I'd almost write that as unheard of. You don't see that in modern television anymore. Unbelievable guts. Okay, best line of the episode. We did nostalgic moment of the episode. Spencer, I think we can now get to the part of the episode that the masses, all the people, the nation, I dare say, is waiting for. They've been clamoring for it. We're at, what, an hour and maybe 25 minutes now. I'm sure people are screaming at their phones, at their radios. Please, please, please. Whatever could get you mean, to sir? Get I have to no, the bet. No, 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 there is no such thing. There is no bet. There's only the show. We are we are a podcast about a show. There's no The bet. I did not now, see Spencer, a bet on the show. Did you see a bet anywhere in this 47 minutes? I did see a bet, Spencer. And let me, before you poo-poo the bet, let me surprise you here. I went back and I listened to our pod. I listened to what the bet actually was. The spirit of the bet. I won. I won the spirit of the bet. Very much but so. But I will tell you I this. Was hoping you'd bring this up. Yes, go on. I will tell you this. I lost the bet because I dumbly, this is, if you ever are wondering if I'm an idiot, this is, I, I should not have done this. I got too specific with the bet. The spirit of the bet was that Baby Yoda would be freed, Moff Gideon would be defeated, and all would be right with the world. That is what happened. But I got a little too specific. I got ahead of myself. I got over my skis, Spencer, and I said that Mando would have Baby Yoda and they would be free. I made a specific point, dumbly, to say Mando would have Baby Yoda. Spencer, I acquiesce to you. Now, I'm, I admit defeat. I'm willing. You have won I'm, the bet. I'm willing to give you intent to contract here. I'm willing to give it to you because, from a pure intent standpoint, I think you won this. Literal terms, I agree. You were very big on that Mando and Baby Yoda would be reunited and it would kind of end there. Mando, I, I said specifically, I went back and was by, I said specifically that Mando would have Baby Yoda in his possession. Because I went that far, because I said that, I do appreciate you offering to give me the bet because I did the spirit. I was right. I am going to admit defeat here. I lost. So Spencer, per the terms of the bet, I give a hundred dollars to your favorite charity and um, you get to choose the next, uh, next show that we review on Mangum Talks TV. Great. Let me find the next nine season show that I can make you sit through the entirety of. Well, we did. I did make a caveat that it couldn't be anything over two seasons. (laughs) But you do get to choose. You won the bet, Spencer. So congratulations. I admit defeat. Um, I gotta say, I'm pretty. I gotta give myself a lot of credit. I'm a pretty big man here. Um, You know, everybody should be really impressed with me. But I do give up. I admit defeat. I got a little too specific with the bet. You know, I'm impressed with you, sir. I was fully willing to submit here. I was going to argue this the technicality and just let that go. But you know, if you are if you are willing to stick to the literal terms of the agreement, I'm happy to accept victory. Yep, I lost. So uh, there it is. Now, Spencer won the bet. Now, as noted, as we were just discussing, finding a two season show in this day and age is a challenge. But we have ideas. Yep. 
yeah, so we can wrap up by talking about that. So we appreciate everybody who has been on this this journey of reviewing uh, Mandalorian with us. So we're sorry for the big break there, but we we came back with a with a purpose, Spencer. We came back uh, with full force, uh, rocking it hard. We caught up with the show. We are giving you coverage on the final day, so I'm, I'm really happy with how that all played out. I have enjoyed reviewing Mandalorian probably, and I, it's absolutely um, a surprise to me, but probably more, I've, I've enjoyed this podcast, podcast more than I even enjoyed Game of Thrones. Um, with Because I mean, me and you love both Game, we love Game of Thrones, but I think that when we got into doing the pod, it was season seven, season eight, things started to deteriorate, uh, deteriorate a little bit. And we ended up just fighting a lot, <laughs> reviewing the Which pods. But That's this right. was this has been pure joy. I've absolutely loved doing it. I thank you so much for doing the pod with us. I don't know what we're doing next. Do you have any ideas, any inklings, Spencer? Because I really don't. You know, and this is one of the ways we rely on our fans here. If you have suggestions of new shows that have come out that are in their first season or are coming back for a second, or even have a new season that's about to come down the pipe, we are happy to hear them. We are happy to consider them. I have been elected as God Emperor of this particular segment to pick, but we rely on you for what you want to listen to, for what you want to watch, and what you want us to join you with. So if you have any yeah. suggestions, please post them. Lee can tell you now where to do so, because I never understand where that actually is. Where, where, if they wanted to post comments and suggestions about what we should watch next, where should they go? Go to mangumtalks.com, upper right-hand corner. There's a button called Contact Us. You will get a contact form. You can submit it with your suggestions, with your comments, any parting thoughts for Mandalorian Season 2. We'd love to hear all that stuff. So please uh, go to mangumtalks.com, upper right-hand corner, click Contact Us, and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Anything else you want to say, Spencer, before we wrap this podcast up? It's been a treat, man. I really thank you again for pushing me to watch the show, as we've talked about before. I didn't want to watch it. I was too afraid that it would disappoint me, as sadly a lot of Star Wars material has in more recent years. I am so glad that you forced me while I was staying in your home to sit down and just power through the first season. It has been a treat ever since, and I'm legitimately impressed how much better the second season has even been. How good the first season was, how much the second has just taken massive leaps to improvement on it. Gives me a lot of hopes for the next season, as apprehensive as I am, that I think it's going in a completely different direction. But if they keep this crew, if they keep this staff, they keep apparently a lot of the same actors, too. They've got a wonderful series of pieces to put together on a remarkable puzzle. I agree. Um, I just feel like very, very grateful that I was able to watch this show and review it with you. Had a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. We don't know what we're doing next, but what we do know is there will not be a long break. So please, you know, if you subscribe to Mangum Talks uh, TV, please keep your subscription. Please wait for the new pod because in a couple weeks we will have something for you. We can promise you that. The content will be coming. We appreciate you listening. Go to MangumTalks.com. Listen to our other pods. We have Mangum Reads, Pottery and Round, Mangum Laughs, Mangum Talks Hoops, Whiskey on the Weekends, now defunct, but you can check out the archives. We've got a lot of content for you. We enjoy doing the podcast with you. Thank you for listening, everybody. Baby Yoda's free! And gone forever. See ya!